Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on. Amen. 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 Praise God. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, those of you that are joining us online. Uh, this is an exciting weekend. I love when we launch our Connect groups because I know in, in, in a couple of months we're going to get all kinds of testimonies and reports of people's lives that were changed, just like Pastor Tom shared just a, a moment ago. Um, we're focusing on this next semester of Connect groups so that you'll be able to choose uh, which group you're going to join. And please take that very serious. Um, as I go through what I want to teach tonight, um, you'll see that, especially, especially in the season that we're in right now, especially when so many individuals are feeling so isolated uh, from one another, it's extremely important that you really do consider uh, joining one of these Connect groups and really building some relationships. Amen. We've got in-person home groups. We've got Zoom groups. Some groups uh, are going to be at, at the campuses here in Bayville and Wall. Um, uh, if this is your home, uh, you, need to get, you need to get hooked up. You need to connect. You need to get involved. Amen. Because church is the whole idea of church. The whole idea of having a, a, a family of believers is for you to come out of your shell, to come out of your comfort zones, to get to bring what you have on the inside of you to others and to allow others to influence you. Amen. So whether New Beginnings is your church home and, you're, and you come in person to one of the campuses or you are joining us online, if you're choosing right now to stay connected online, you can join one of those groups, a connect group, a, a Zoom group, any of these things that are going to benefit. You're going to benefit from the community that takes place in those groups, and you could do it right from your home. Amen? So why is it important to join a connect group? J just in the name alone kind of tells us it's to connect. And the whole vision of the connect groups is doing life together. I tell you, I don't know if there's a more important message right now than doing life together because there's so much that has pulled us apart. There is so much that has driven wedges between individuals in their lives and their families and their relationships. There's so much isolation that has gone on. And honestly, we need to draw our lives together and draw from one another. Connect groups are also a good way for you to walk out that which you learn on the weekends or you learn in your Bible studies during the week or your devotions that you do on your own, okay? This is an opportunity we have to love one another, to forgive one another, to learn from each other, and to learn how to do life together, to lift each other up, amen? amen. Whether it's discussing a Sunday sermon, some of, the, some of the connect groups are basically exist just to discuss what's been taught the week before, and that's a really important one. Talking about, giving you an opportunity to talk about a spiritual battle that you might be going, or simply just praying for one another. Connect groups create a context for Christians to live out their faith in real life. And you and I need opportunities to do that. We come, we join, whether it's on Saturday night, whether it's on Sunday, uh, pretty soon in the next few weeks, you get, you'll, you'll have an announcement that we're going to open up Wednesday nights again, in person, Bible study, amen. Amen. So we'll let you know. Hopefully it'll be in a few weeks. But, but the thing is this, what you learn, whether it's on a Wednesday night, whether it's on a Saturday night, Sunday morning, whether it's a Bible study that goes on during the week, you need an opportunity to live that. It's one thing to sit here and to listen or to watch online and be engaged online and to absorb the teaching, but you need an opportunity to walk it out. You need an opportunity. You need to get with somebody so they can aggravate you so you can learn how to forgive them. 
Turn to somebody and say, you've been doing a good job. But you see what I'm saying? When we isolate ourselves, when we, when we just put ourselves in a little, in a little uh, uh, like a little cubicle in life, and we come, we come to church, you know, we rush through the lobby, and, and you know, you're, you're doing one of these, or you're doing one of these, and you don't want to get too close. It's like, uh, come on, we need to do life again. We need, to, we need each other. The church was instituted by the Lord Jesus Christ to facilitate authentic connecting. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. The church is supposed to be the place where we connect with God and we connect with others. And, and listen to me, don't tell me you're doing a good job here if you're not connecting here. Because your relationship with God is going to cause an overflow that you're going to want to have people in your life. You're going to want to serve others. You're going to want to be there for others. You're going to want to pray for other people. You're going to want people to pray for you. We can't do it on our own. Jesus demonstrated community in his relationship with 12 disciples. That community, that 12 individuals, they changed the world. We're here today because 12 men made a commitment, made a deep connection with Christ himself, with our Messiah, but also with one another. Amen? And we need to do the same thing. We know it's God's will for us to connect to one another. We have proven this by the word of God. God's will for us to connect. And there's also an understanding that we need to connect in order to combat what the enemy tries to do in our lives and what the enemy tries to do in our relationships. We are better together. We are better together. Amen? But the enemy loves to divide. The enemy loves to isolate. The enemy loves to tear relationships apart. And you and I have got to combat that more now than ever. Because I don't know, maybe you guys don't realize it. There's a lot of pressure in life. Just a couple of people, a couple of people. Some of you at home, might, maybe you might be realizing. There's a lot of pressure in life. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday. I forget, I think it was Pastor Tom. And I said, you know what? Man, in 36 years of being a Christian, I have never, ever seen a time when there's so many individuals coming under attack, when there's so many families that have lost loved ones, when there's so many people that are battling for their loved ones in hospitals. And, and it's like every day we're getting one or two different reports of this person, that attack, this person had this sickness, this person. It's got, I said, this is probably what it's going to be like when the tribulation, the before Christ returns, hits 100%. It's going to be a million times worse than this. And we're feeling the pressure now. It's, what am I saying this for? I'm not a gloom and doom preacher. I know we win. I've read the end of the book. But what I'm saying is in the meantime, in the meantime, we need each other. We need to uphold each other. We need to lift each other's arms up. We need to be like those two guys who are on the side of Moses holding his arms up so the battle can get won. Amen? Shake yourselves up. I'm serious. Shake yourselves up because too many believers have gotten used to this isolation now. Too many believers are like, yeah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You know, maybe someday, maybe some. No, someday is today. We need each other. We need to, we need to lift up each other. Let me tell you something, okay? We see the toll, every one of us, that isolation has taken upon people this past year. You see it. You see it. You may have been affected yourself. 
We're seeing people have we're seeing people have mental issues now that never had those kind of issues before. We're seeing people have emotional breakdowns that never had those kind of breakdowns before. And there might be somebody in your family. We need each other. There, this is a powerful thing. This season right now that we're in, and this and this semester, if we call it that, of connect groups is probably one of the most pivotal and most important ones because for some individuals whether you're going to join on uh, through through a zoom one of the zoom connections whether you're going to come here at our one of our campuses or whether you're going to go to somebody's house this for many many people is their first venture back out into normal life again see how good it went over listen I've been around this thing called Christianity for many, many years. I believe in having intimate, close, transparent, vulnerable relationships. I've seen throughout the years what it's done in my life, in my family's lives, our friends, church members. Over the years, it's always intrigued me what can happen when a small group of individuals come together, whether it's over a meal or just a cup of coffee. There's something that happens. I can remember times when we would have small groups. My, 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 my cousin Tom here can, can attest to that. Uh, we would get together, just a small group of us in the family. At that time, it was only a small group of us in the family that were believers. And maybe we'd have some friends over, church friends, um, uh, I, I could I think of the Mazas back there, okay? Uh, think about years ago, getting together in groups of people. And what, do you have a cup of coffee? It's not about the coffee, it's not about the meal. It's about that one person might share what God was doing in their life. Another person might share what God was doing in their life. Another person might give a testimony how God uh, had them lead somebody to the Lord that week. And then all of a sudden, you're sitting at this table, you're having a cup of coffee, but then all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, the presence of God is here. The presence of God is there. Because what did Jesus say? Wherever two or three gather together in my name, I will be there in the midst of them. And that's why these groups are so important, extremely important. We could see miracles take place. Miracles of, 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 of individuals that may be, well, and, 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 you know, if you're sitting there going, well, you know, I'm an introvert, then change. <laughs> I don't do good in the social group. Well, then change. You can change. Believe God to change. Or just start an, a group for introverts. <laughs> That'll be a quiet one. I, listen, I love preaching in front of crowds. I said to my wife before, I can't wait to pack this room again. You know? I love... Thank you. I love preaching to crowds. But let me tell you something, Okay? There's a one type of impact that's made in a crowd, but there's another impact that's made with a small one-on-one, -on -one, with a few people, half a dozen people, eight people, ten people. It's different. It's different. And we need both. We need both. We're impacted in the multitude, but we build relationships in small groups. The Apostle Peter made a great impact on the multitudes that were gathered in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. It's, it's written for us in Acts chapter 2. 
verse 36, you know, after the whole rushing wind of the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God came on people and they got baptized in the Holy Spirit and they're, they're praying in tongues and singing in tongues and speaking in tongues and people from all the nations around the Mediterranean, the great miracle that they understood all of them speaking in their own languages. But later on, the greater miracle was the fact that Peter gets up and preaches about a 10 or 15 minute message and thousands of people come into the come into the kingdom listen therefore verse 36 let, therefore let all the house of israel know assuredly that god has made this jesus whom you crucified both lord and christ he's speaking to the crowds that are there at the temple on pentecost sunday now when they heard this they were cut to the heart another conviction came on them and they said to peter and to the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do then peter said to them repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of jesus christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the holy spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off as many as the lord will call and with many other words he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation man if there was ever a time that that was the message it's now then those who gladly received his word were baptized and that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Hallelujah, praise God, it's wonderful. But watch what happens next. Verse 42. 3,000 came into the church in one day. So the church at that point was 3,120 individuals. But look what happens next. Now, they, they got impacted in the crowd, in the multitude. But look at verse 42. And they, who? the 3,120 steadfastly continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In other words, they came to the apostles to be taught and fellowship in the what? Say it with me real loud. In the breaking of bread and prayers. You need both. You need the preaching in the multitude and you need the breaking of bread in fellowship and praying for one another. That's how you're going to get strong. We need the impact of the crowd, but we need the connection of the smaller groups. And Paul, Paul had a, had a greater, even more personal impact in ministering in small groups of people during, during his missionary trips through, through Asia, into Europe. Acts chapter 19, in Ephesus, he finds a small group of individuals that have been there. They're working he's working closely with them, not only to receive salvation, but also, also to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Listen to the principles here. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not even so much heard as whether there is a Holy Spirit. We don't even know what you're talking about. What is the Holy Spirit? Is that something? Is it a thing? What is it? And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said into John's baptism. Ah, man, I could teach a whole other message on this one. Here they are. This is at least 10 years, if not longer, might even be closer to 15 years, after the resurrection. Paul is traveling into, into Asia. He comes to Ephesus. At that time, Ephesus was one of the largest cities in the Roman Empire. And he meets a group of disciples. And so he's like, hey, you know, when you walk in, you ever go to some place to eat and you realize, hey, these people are Christians. Let me go over and talk to them. Yeah, how you guys doing? Blah, blah, blah. Where do you go to church? And where do you go to church? And so he meets these disciples. 
And he says to them, so, 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 so listen, now Paul's all hopped up on the Holy Ghost because, you know, the Holy Spirit made a big impact in his life. And so the first thing I was not, hey, you guys, did you guys receive the Holy Spirit? They go, Holy Spirit? We never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. He says, well, then what baptism? Like, you know, you know where are you at right now? They saw the baptism of John. You know what they're talking about? They're talking about what John the Baptist had been preaching a decade and a half before. Okay, remember, there's no internet. There's no telephones. I don't even know if there was a mail service at that point. Okay, it took all, these people are still worshiping God. They didn't even know that the Messiah had come. They're still, they're still in the mode of repentance, getting ready for the Messiah to come. Imagine Paul's face. He must have went, oh man, thank you, Jesus, for leading me here. He gets to tell him, you know the one you've been preparing for? Well, he, he showed up about 15 years ago. Okay, he came, he went to the cross, he explains the gospel to them. They get thoroughly born again, and what's the next thing that happens? They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so, verse, let me skip down to verse 5. Then, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, water baptism. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied, and they were about 12 in all. 12. 12. Now, now, now watch this now. The church at Ephesus explodes. Explodes. And eventually, the apostle John, John the Beloved, ends up moving to Ephesus and taking over and becoming the apostle, the bishop over that entire region. And who do you think is with him? Who's with John? Mary. Why? What did Jesus tell him at the cross? John, here's your mother. Mom, here's your son. Amen. So the church at Ephesus exploded because Paul took time to put a little group of guys together, 12 individuals, 12 individuals, and they literally turned the entire city upside down. Do you tell me you think it's important to get involved in a connect group? It is, well, well, you know, I, I don't know if I like to go to somebody's house. Good, then stay home. Join it on Zoom. Okay, in a few months from now, when you, you build yourself up a little bit, then peek out of your door. <laughs> we love you. And once he made the connection, he stayed in touch with them and remained there. Sometimes he would remain for months. Sometimes in Ephesus, I, I believe he spent at one point three years there. But it started with 12 people. Jesus impacted multitudes of miracles, but he also raised disciples to stay close to him in close contact, especially the 12. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And when he went up on the mountain, he called to him those himself he wanted, and they came to him, and then he appointed 12 that they might be with him. Well, Pastor, how do you know? I, I really sense, Pastor, there's like something for me to do in ministry. I sense that there's a call on my life. You know, what should I do next? Go spend time with Jesus. Yeah, but, you know, should I, should I sign up for the Bible school? Yeah, you could, but go spend time with Jesus. But what books should I read, Pastor? What, is there any books? Should I, should I, what should I do? Should, is there any special teachers I should follow? Jesus called them unto himself that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. But I got news for you. If you're not doing the might be with him, you got nothing to say. I thought I was going to get a better response than that. 
God accomplishes great things in small batches. And God is way more interested than building, in building relationships than he is in you hiding in a multitude. You know, we talk about this sometimes, you know, there's nice church buildings and stuff. But I said, I said, I'll never, if we ever build another church, if we ever build a building from scratch, I will never build a building with a balcony in it. Why is that? Because people that don't want to be connected and don't want to get involved and don't want to engage with others, they hide in the balcony. Anybody been to a church that has a balcony? Yeah, they hide in the balcony. God doesn't want us hiding in the balcony. So, here's a few different ways. Let me go through real quickly a few different ways that connect groups impact us, okay? Remember, small batches. God does great things in small batches. Number one is discipleship. Connect groups provide opportunities for believers to learn from each other as they apply the gospel within the intimacy of those relationships. Titus chapter 2 is a great chapter in the New Testament. You should write it down for yourself. Ch Titus chapter 2 tells us that we're to take advantage of the teachable moments in each other's lives. He, it, it, Titus, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, excuse me, the Apostle Paul writing to Titus under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit gives him a pattern to follow. He says, let, let the older woman teach the younger women. Let the older men teach the younger men. To do what? How to do what? To deny ungodliness and worldly desires that we would live soberly and righteously here in this life while we're waiting for the Lord Jesus to come. Okay? Then he goes on to say that you teach, let the younger women, the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands. And the lady said, the ladies went, yeah, I know that one. <laughs> the older men are supposed to teach the younger men how to be respectful, how to flee from youthful lusts, how to be good employees. Thank you. I got one amen. How to be good employees. Anybody that's in business right now should be shouting amen. Okay, how to be good employees. This is where we learn from each other. This is how young men learn how to be godly men and godly husbands and good fathers. This is how younger women learn from example, okay, from the older women. Okay, we won't make any kind of demarcation lines like over this about you're considered an older woman. Okay, we'll just, just everybody show up, okay? But you see what I'm saying? We need to learn from one another. I hope you're getting this. You know, the, the question, who is Jesus, is critical to hear from the pulpit. But we also need friends to help us wrestle, with, uh, wrestle through the questions that face us on an everyday basis. We need people who are willing to get to know us so that they can help us walk with Christ more faithfully. I thank God for the men and women that the Lord put in my life in my younger days. I thank God, I thank God for, the, for the men and women he puts in my life now. But in those impressionable times, in those times when you're, you know, a young Christian and, you know, you're just in awe of everything that God's doing, you need stable people. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, your fruit is going to drag on the ground. What are you talking about, Pastor? Listen, I'm not a farmer. I really haven't had much experience at this. But, you know, I know what tomato plants are like. And if you don't put a stake in the ground and tie that tomato plant to that stake, that tomato plant's just going to... And you ain't eating no tomatoes. Why? Because those tomatoes that it grows, if it grows any, 
they're going to be in the mud. There's going to be parasites. There's going to be worms. There's going to be bugs. All the bunnies in the neighborhood are going to come to your yard. You need a stake for that thing to produce the right fruit. Guess what? In life, sometimes we need a stake to tie ourselves to. We need somebody who's been there, somebody who's gone through a few things, somebody who knows how to hear from God, somebody who's come over here, let's pray, let's get, when you're going, <laughs> you don't know what's coming, shut up, come over here, let's pray. Don't curse the stake that God puts in your life. Amen? Number two, connect groups provide answers. You're here right now. Maybe somebody that's watching or joining from, from home, they can type in a question that they have. But right now, it would be tremendously out of order if everybody started raising their hands and started asking questions. We'd be here till midnight. But you see, in a connect group, you can ask the questions. You can have discussions. Now, don't get carried away. Make sure, you know, the connect group doesn't last five hours because you've got one question after the other. But you know what I'm saying? you have the opportunity to interact that we don't have in this type of scenario. Discuss, discussing and applying scriptures together. Members can learn to understand not only the Bible, but also each other. And that's important for us to learn each, about each other. Number three is accountability. In connect groups, you automatically have individuals that you can hold yourself accountable to. You know, if you've got a, a situation that's going on in your life, maybe there's a problem that you keep falling into, you can have an accountable, accountability partner. You can have individuals who really love you, who you can open up and say, listen, I got a problem here. I'm struggling in this area. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? Anybody hear what I'm saying? Does anybody care about what I'm saying? Okay. The, the, we need face-to-face -face accountability. It's, it's not just, you can't just, you know, on Facebook or sending an email or a text message or whatever. When there's a crisis going on, you need to have a networked, a network in your life of people that you know you can pick up the phone or shoot them a text or run over their house. That would be really rare. Uh, knock on the door. You know, you tell them, get back in the car and text me before you knock on the door. <laughs> and listen, some of us, some of, some of us watching, some, some in this room, you may be in a crisis right now. You might be sitting here right now smiling and with somebody we can't tell anyway because you got the mask on, but some of us might be in a crisis and you might feel like I don't want the pastor to know what's going on in my life please don't feel that way because you know I, I doubt very much if I'm going to get surprised okay but listen to me you may feel more comfortable going to somebody else and we understand that and we're not opposed to that but you need somebody in your life you need somebody that you can go you need somebody that you can be honest with and vulnerable with and transparent. Now, now use discernment, you know, because not everybody's your friend, you know. But the beauty of a connect group is that there's someone there that will always be there for you. And they know what you're going through. When you're in the middle of crisis, it's too late then to connect. You've got to connect beforehand. Do you ever have somebody come to you that you don't really know that well and they come and then load both barrels and you're like, whoa, this, I don't even know you. Well, be preemptive. Be intentional. Look, things are going to come up in life. You're going to have things that you're going to want people to help you with. Are, is this getting through? Okay, so, so do it preventively. Don't wait until you're in the middle of a crisis. 
don't wait until man it's like don't just do get yourself up and get yourself connected with some individuals and i don't know what to do pray pray the holy spirit will show you which group to connect with the holy spirit will show you which which group of individuals and then in that group the holy spirit will show you you can trust that one you can trust this one amen Amen. so please don't don't cut yourself off from from the things that are being provided so that you can walk through life with stability amen being in a connect group helps you and others keep each other accountable to reading the word and to praying throughout the week. You know, we've seen some of the connect groups, they'll, they'll, they'll get each other's email address, phone number so they can text, and uh, maybe they become friends on Facebook, and then they're encouraging each other throughout the entire week. We need that. We need that. Amen? You know, I talk from experience when I say this. It's really easy to slip in and out of church unnoticed. You know, I wasn't always a pastor. I spent 11 years in, in a church, sitting where you are. You know? It's easy to slip in and out, especially when you don't want people to know what's going on in your life. It's easy to slip in and out. You know? God doesn't want us to live that way. God doesn't want you to be incognito. Why? Because you may sit across from the table over a cup of coffee with somebody that God has deposited something in them just for you. Guess what? The bigger thrill, God may deposit something in you that that person sitting across the table with a cup of coffee needs. You listening? He'll do that. Why? Because he loves you. And he loves the other person. And he loves when his children make themselves available to bless one another, to encourage one another, to be there for one, to hold each other accountable. Not in judgment. Yeah, not, you don't sit there and go to the group and go, okay, what's your sin? And, and uh, over here, oh, yeah, oh, whoa, that's a big one. I better highlight that one. No, that's, what the, that's not what accountability is. Accountability is that you love an individual enough to hear the worst about them and still love them and still pray for them. And that can happen five minutes before service and five minutes after service. It's impossible. Again, again, I could take you to the Bible school that we graduated from and I could take you to the gym and I could take you to the walking track, okay? For some, it was a running track. For me, it was a walking track, okay? And I could take you to the spot where the Lord spoke that thing that Pastor Tom quoted us on. The Lord said to me, I could take you right to the spot. Do not seek to build a church, raise a family. And a family cannot be raised a few minutes before service and a few minutes after service. Got to spend time together. Amen? Evangelism. I got to move along here. Evangelism. Say, what do you mean by evangelism? Everybody who goes to Connect Group are believers. Not necessarily. You might invite a neighbor to come to one of the Connect Groups with you. Depending on the topic, you might, you, this is a place where you can say, well, they said they'll never come to church. Good, so let them come to your house. They don't have to come to church, because guess what? Your house turns into the church when the church shows up. Amen? Amen? What better way than to get people to experience and let them sit there 
over a cup of coffee, over whatever, uh, a bottle of water, and realize, well, these Christians, are, they're actually real people. They don't have six heads. They don't have 15 arms. They're real individuals. They're, they're actually real people. What better way to introduce them? You know, you've got to build a bridge with people before you can introduce the gospel sometimes. Amen? So, number five, hospitality. Do you know that hospitality is the nature of God in action? Hospitality. Hospi- Do you remember that word? Hospitality? Okay. A connect group is an awesome place where you get the opportunity to be like God. Psalm 23. He sets a table for me in the midst of my enemies. God loves setting tables. Jesus also loves turning them over, but God loves... God loves to shower us with abundance. He's a generous God. He's a loving Father. He loves when His children come together. Okay, well, yeah, I'm not good at doing stuff like that. Then get good. It's a perfect way for, for you to change. Perfect, perfect opportunity. You know, you know, you say, well, you know, I don't have much. You don't need much. You don't need much. It's about the heart. It's about the attitude that you're, you're, you're making a pot of coffee or, or you're, you're, you, know, you go and make a cake or, wow, that's a novel thing. And, or maybe just go buy some donuts or something. Or you see what I'm saying? Just, just, or just you, what you could do is, like in a connect group, what they do a lot of times is people will rotate. Some week, maybe two or three people will bring something, and then the following week, somebody else. But it's an opportunity for you to welcome people and to show them the love of Jesus. And I don't care what anybody says. You put something on the table, you put food on the table, you put a cup of coffee on the table, whatever it is, and all of a sudden, people's guards come down. The walls start to drop, especially if it's chocolate stuff. Hospitality, listen to this one. Hospitality is a sign that you have placed all you have and all you are in the hands of God in order to bless someone else. I don't know about you, but man, we love to bless people. We love to bless people. And honestly, I, I can't think of anybody, even in our staff or in our leadership, that is not that way. We love to bless people. And I know if you're here in this church, you have that in you. Why? Because God wouldn't have brought you someplace that you weren't going to have that kind of, that kind of similarity. Okay? Uh, well, you know, I don't have good china. So, no, you don't need good china. You don't need Paper plate's fine. When the heart's full, a paper plate is fine. Amen? Amen. Come on. Amen? This is real stuff here. This is where we get to show what we claim we believe. Without that kind of involvement, without that kind of engagement, you're just, you're just a myth that people say, well, he's a Christian. Well, how do you know he's a Christian? Because Jesus said, by the love that you have, one for another, will everyone know that you're my disciples. Amen? The next thing is prayer. The New Testament believers prayed together. They pray, how are you going to pray together if you're not together? How are you going to pray together if you're not together? And I don't care what you say. There's nothing better than a couple of people getting together, three, four, five, six people getting together, tackling a problem that an individual is going through. 
I've never seen greater manifestation of the love of God than when individuals come together and just say, come on, what's going on? This is what's going on in your life. What's going on with your kids? What's going on in your marriage? What's going on with your, with your job, your finances? Come on, come on. Let's get together. Let's get together. And you know, take the safety precautions if you feel like, take this. The last thing we want is for people to get sick. Take the safety precautions. Wear the mask. Wash your hands. Wear the sanitizing stuff. Do what you got to do. But don't cut yourself off from other believers. Amen? Amen. One of the greatest things is when a whole group of people come together to the throne of grace, bringing before God all of their concerns, all of their adversity, and seeing the breakthrough. And let me tell you something, okay? When you, when you pray for people, you develop a heart for people. When you pray for people, you develop a heart for people. I'll tell you this story real quick, because we saw it happen. When we were in Bible school many years ago, 25 years ago at this point, we were told that 10 years before, groups of individuals would come into this gigantic auditorium. And we saw on the wall they had, they had these plaques, these wooden plaques of all different nations all over the world. And we didn't know what it was because this event had taken place a decade before. And they said what happened in the mid-80s, okay? Groups of people would come together and begin to pray for nations they had never been to and had no connection to. Some of those nations were Poland, the Ukraine, Russia, China, all different nations, some of the nations of South America. Well, they prayed and they prayed and prayed. And the group that prayed for Eastern European countries and Russia. You remember what happened in the late 80s? The wall fell. The Iron Curtain crashed. And freedom came to those nations again. Guess what happened? The, we were told that the majority of the individuals that were praying ended up being missionaries to the very countries they were praying for. Why? Because when you pray for people, you develop a heart for those people. Something we need to do. Something we need to do. And obviously the social part, we need this. We need this. I can't, I can't, there's no use going into that. You, can't, you, you know we need this. We need to come out of the isolation mentality. We need to be interested in one another again. We have to be there for each other. You need that, okay? I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, and I hope I'm not misunderstood. But w- when somebody tells me, Pastor, you understand, it's just me and God. Just me and God. I'm good. It's just me and God. Me and God. You're a weirdo. <laughs> How could you say that? Because you get weird. Because God pours himself in you so that you can get involved in somebody else's life. Okay, just you and God, you and God. You don't think he's got like, hey, come on. I love you. I know that you love me. But, you know, you need to go spend time with other people now. You catching this? Because what are you going to do with the stuff you're learning? Well, it's just me and God, just me and God, just me and God, just me and God. Hallelujah. Okay, so this weekend, I pray that you'll take this to heart. I pray that you'll make your choices. But let's talk about something else before we go. Decide in your heart where you're going to go, what group you're going to go to, okay? And, and do it for yourself. And do it also 
so that God can use you to bless somebody else's life, to be an influence in somebody else's life. But let's talk about something else before we're dismissed. Something extremely important. Your eternal destination. I don't ever want to be negligent and that whenever we have a group of individuals coming together, that we make sure that we offer the opportunity for someone to seal their eternal destination for good. Amen? And listen, there are certain inescapable realities that you and I have got to face. Number one, we are born sinners. Turn to somebody and say, you were born a sinner. You might as well, you say, you might as well admit it. Nobody has to teach us how to sin. I didn't have to go to night school. You didn't have to go to night school. I didn't have to take an online course. It comes natural for us. When Adam and Eve sinned, it became part of our human nature. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. You're, you're listening to me, those of you online. All have sinned. Everyone. None of us measure up to God's standards of holiness. You might be a much better person than I am, but honey, if you compare yourself to God, we're all going down. Amen? Number two, reality that you and I have got to face is that sin deserves punishment. But why? Because sin is breaking God's law. So somebody had to pay for it. Somebody's got to pay for our sins. Either we're going to pay for it or somebody else is going to pay for it. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God. Look at that gift. It's a gift. Sin has wages, but eternal life is a gift from God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin deserves death. But the reality is this, my brothers and sisters, is that Jesus took the punishment on himself so that we could be forgiven and we could be restored. Don't ever lose sight of that truth. Our spirit is dead until Jesus comes and makes us new again. And that, my friends, is the heart of the gospel. That is the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 3, we have recorded for us a story of a, of a man who was searching. A religious man, one of the religious leaders in Israel. And there's something gnawing at him on the inside. He's unsettled. And so it tells us here in John chapter 3, starting verse 2, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, and no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Those are Jesus' words. It's not a title to be flaunted. It is a position to obtain. He said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, the religious leader who's older, said to him, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In other words, you're born naturally, but then you're born supernaturally. To be born again means that your spirit, which was dead unto God, becomes alive, and you become connected to him by the Holy Spirit who you receive when you receive everlasting life. The bottom line is this. Please, take this serious right now. Those of you that are watching online, please don't disconnect right now. When you take your last breath, 
once you're born again, you'll be with God forever. If we die without experiencing being born again, we forfeit everlasting life and we spend eternity separated from God in a place of torment that is so horrible, there really are not words in our experience to describe it. And most of the time it gets played down, it gets played down. We don't like to talk about it. Even in church, people don't like to talk about it. The whole reason we're here is because Jesus died on the cross so that we wouldn't go to hell, that we wouldn't suffer eternal, everlasting punishment separated from him. That is a reality of life. I'm sorry if I'm breaking this to you for the first time. That is life. Nobody really dies. Our bodies die, but your spirit lives forever. The determination that you've got to make, the decision you've got to make, is where is your spirit going to spend the rest of eternity? Well, I just believe when I die, that's it. That's the end of it. I'm just going to go on the ground. Honey, it should be that easy. That is not the case. That is not the case. Every individual will live forever someplace. Now, if you're not born again, I'm going to be very, very, very blunt with you. That should scare you. Because that is the truth of life. And the, and the, and the nightmare is this. Nobody should have to spend eternity in hell because Jesus Christ went to the cross, paid for every one of our sins. Every individual that's ever been conceived, ever been born into this earth. Jesus died for their sins. What a nightmare to have to go to a place that you never should have gone because your sins were paid for by a man who died on the cross 2,000 years ago. And when you and I reject that truth that we treat it frivolously, we treat it lightly, we make believe it doesn't happen, I've got plenty of time, how do you know you've got plenty of time? Because tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. Oh, Pastor, you, you got my attention. What do I do? What do I do? Well, let me ask you this question. And you know what? Don't answer out loud, please. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins and for my sins? Do you believe that God raised him from the dead, that he ascended into heaven? And right now, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God, the Messiah of the nation of Israel, is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. There'll be a day that he returns, and it's probably going to be a lot sooner than we think. But until that time, you and I have got to make our decision here while you're still breathing, while your spirit is still encased in this flesh and blood and bone body. Now is when you determine when you're going to spend, where you're going to spend all of eternity. But I will say this. If you're here or if you're watching online and you have never made a declaration of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because somebody could be sitting there saying, yeah, I believe all these things, Pastor. I believe all these things. Yeah, yeah, it's good. The devil believes them too. But have you made a declaration? Have you confessed with your mouth what you believe in your heart about the Lord Jesus Christ? Because that's how you seal your eternal destination. You listening? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, 
that if we will confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart that the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Saved. Saved from what? Saved from going to hell. Saved from being separated from God for all of eternity. Some people say, well, you know, I got enough hell on this earth. Honey, this is kindergarten compared to eternity. So, I want to lead us in a prayer. And I'm not here to point anybody out. I'm not here to do any of that stuff. I'm here to give an opportunity for every individual to seal your eternal destination. I haven't been a good person. Welcome to the club. Well, maybe I just need to get my act together first, Pastor. No, no, honey. You, you, you catch a fish, and then you clean the fish. Let him catch you. He'll clean you up. He'll clean you up. All it takes is expressing our faith that we have in our heart with our mouth, and God honors that, and God releases the grace of salvation over your life. Pray this with me. Dear God, come on, let's do it all together, please. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he came to this earth to die in my place. Jesus, hear my prayer. I believe that you've been risen from the dead and that you're alive right now. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for making me a new creation in Christ. I believe right now that I am born again. My spirit is connected to God because he has made me his child. Right now, I believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. All right. I pray that I've been able to communicate what I needed to communicate to you very clearly. Please make sure you go and sign up for one of these connect groups. Listen, please don't waste time. If you're going to get involved, get involved. Why? Because the groups fill up quickly. And then next week, we're going to get phone calls. Well, I meant to. I wanted to. I should have. Some of the groups are limited. Some of the groups are limited. Now, my wife and I are going to be doing a, a group up in up the Wall Campus, okay, on Thursday nights. Uh, that's the, pretty much open to as many people as want to come. It's, not, it's going to be in the campus. So as many of you that want to come there, you know, you're welcome to come on Thursday nights. I believe we, we open the doors at quarter to seven, and the Bible study goes from seven o'clock to eight o'clock. And we usually end not promptly. We want to respect people's time. We realize people have to go to work the next day. Uh, so if you want to join uh, our group, if, if any of the other groups fill up, um, you know, because we want to respect people's houses. We don't want to have 25 people show up in somebody's house. So if any of the groups fill up and you're not able to, to get in at, you're welcome to come to our group on Thursday nights up in Walt Township. It's only 15 minutes from here, and so it's very easy to get to. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for coming out this weekend. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. Those of you that prayed that prayer for the first time that are here in person, please do not leave come up here in the front. There are people here that want to give you a Bible. They want to get to know you and maybe answer any questions you might have. 
pray for you if you need prayer. That's what we wanted. Those of you that are joining us online, you see the information on the side. If you can press, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, please click that on. Somebody will get in touch with you. If you have a prayer request, if you need prayer for anything, please let us know. Someone will be in touch with you as soon as possible. Thank you. God bless you. I pray the blessings of God over your life, blessings of health and blessings of prosperity, blessings of peace and stability in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you.